The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome to Tech Talk right here on IFM. And as usual, we're always looking for the craziest and most useful gadgets, trying to figure out what the trends are. And this is the first show of 2024. Can you believe it? Here we are, beginning of another new Gregorian, I will add, new year. There are lots of new years in our lives for some of us. You know, the Jewish new year, the Chinese new year, and the Gregorian new year, where we sit right now. But new years bring new beginnings, and it does give you a little bit of time for all of, the, all of those who are still on holiday and all of you who are still enjoying a little bit of family time and before the madness kicks off next week's school, whatever is happening in your lives. But it gives you a little bit of time to look back, see where we've been, and then start talking about what's coming in the next year. And this is going to be, on many levels, I think a pretty pivotal year for technology, for the world in some respects, in other other ways. But the march of technology, the march of AI, we've spoken so much about it. It's in the news. It's without doubt the question, or rather, it was the whole focus of 2023. So much happened around AI and what's going on in that space, and it developed so quickly, considering that the big LLMs, the chat GPTs, etc., only were announced to the public in November of 2022. So just off over a year, 13 months later, here we sit where it's part of everything that we do, and it's going to get more and more pervasive as we go forward. But I jump a little ahead, and we're going to mix things up. I'm not going to talk about the news of the week here, but I think it's a really good time to just look back, understand, have a quick recap of some of the biggest tech trends of um, 2023. And I was going through the Forbes predictions, and I must give them some credit because plagiarism is a big, big thing these days. Accreditation has been causing havoc on varsity campuses across the globe. A little bit of commentary of what's going on. I won't mention which, but many in the context of all sorts of craziness. But Forbes did every year they do their predictions for the new year. And, um, they then have a quick retrospective, and the writer is Bernard Maher, again, full attribution. And a lot of what he talks about, a lot of what he sort of predicted for 2023 was very much in line with the major trends and where my thinking was going in that space. I don't agree with him on everything, but generally, he had a really good take on what was coming. And let's reevaluate some of that as he has done for 2023, as it's done and dusted. We're now moving into the the next era. And there's no question that AI is everywhere. You cannot pick up the your phone. You cannot pick up anything. And the topic of everything is AI. In fact, um, I will mention it now, but next week, is it next week, the 17th, another following week, um, Samsung are announcing their S24, their Galaxy S24, really early. Normally it's in February, but this year they thought, what We've got the product. It's ready to go. Let's get a solid march on everything. Um, and before 
Mobile World Congress, which was the place they used to do it. And before anybody else launched anything, they were the first out of the gate. And AI is what it's all about. They're going to say they, Samsung have, have leaked a whole whack of stuff, but I'll talk about it later. But right now, let's look at where AI is. And really, it's, it's, it's out there. It's begun. It's happened. And now we're talking about integration and evolution. So there's going to be more and more artificial intelligence, certainly driven by LLMs, the large lang language models, the chat GPTs, that sort of stuff, um, the co-pilots in Microsoft, the BARDs and everything else that's happening out of Google. And all of them are moving fairly, fairly in lockstep with each other as it normally happens in the technology world. Someone comes out first, the others catch up fast, sometimes they exceed. Then the general tension of competition just keeps the whole ball rolling at an incredibly fast rate. But essentially, in business and in daily life and in the biggest word or office productivity uh, product on the market, which is Office 365 or Microsoft Office, whichever one you particularly use, it is fully embedded. Copilot is now just part of what it is. You open up the new browser, the Edge browser from Microsoft. It's there for free. You can even get ChatGPT without paying for it through that interface. So I'll drop a lot more little hints and tips about AI, but essentially AI is integrating seamlessly into so many products, so many parts of corporate and everyday life. It is definitely making processes simpler for businesses. It's making interaction through those stupid, if you remember, not even a year and a bit ago, most chat bots or whatever were essentially idiots. You could ask them one or two questions, and if you just changed one thing, they sort of reverted back to, please call the helpline because we're completely and utterly out of our depth. Well, that has changed enormously with the widespread adoption of generative AI models, and some are specific. This is where it's going to get super interesting. Some models are trained and only work on certain specific knowledge within the context of the company, product, process, whatever it is that you're working with, and does not have broad applicability outside of that, which is brilliant. But then you've got the general ones like Copilot, like Bard, like all the ones that are running around with um, Meta, Facebook, and, the, and even our friends at Twitter now X have got their own. And all of them do a very similar thing. And they give you a lot of inspiration. They give you a lot of indications of where you should be going. And it is definitely reshaping the way that we interact with each other. It speeds up so many processes, so many, there's so much fear about people, you know, getting laid off. Again, I don't believe that's entirely something that's going to happen, but times change, technology changed. Everyone used to be a website designer. Now everyone's an AI uh, expert. So things move along and people move along and training will have to change in order to do that. But there's just no question that AI has become omnipresent across everything that we do. It has been built in. The machine learning parts of AI have been built into platforms, products. I mean, Google couldn't work. Google search couldn't work without AI or couldn't have worked as well as it did without context sensitive, massive AI or machine learning. So many things that happen in our lives pre-chat GPT 
couldn't have happened without AI. So AI is not as new as it seems, but as mainstream use, the interaction, the creation of audio, video, using your voice to do some searches, using massively um, complicated platforms to give you very simple and cohesive results, translations, you name it. It's essentially remapped so many apps that we use, so many products that we use. And if they are not like Grammarly, which I use to write a ton with, if they're not incorporating AI, generative um, LLM type AI into their product, they're pretty much going out of business. Adobe, everybody is using AI at an increasing pace and most importantly, at an increasing sophistication. And the benefit of that for you and I is that simply these things are gonna get easier to use faster and better. The other major prediction was the metaverse. The metaverse for me has always been a very one trick pony, great for certain very closed narrow, narrow things, education um, for particular use around with VR where you get not with VR, with AR, where you get mixed glasses that help specific products, doctors, things like that. And they've moved along, but not really, you know, take gone anywhere this year. Web3 was another hot topic in 2023. And for the most part, people have just completely and utterly ignored it. There's a lot of blockchain and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, all the various... Um, technologies around blockchain with NFTs, which just have faded out of the picture. Somehow they didn't quite trigger the response that people were expecting. But essentially all these sort of cryptos, all the blockchains are still there. They're still offering distributed and underlying potential that could reshape many, many companies, many, many processes. But for the most part, interestingly enough, blockchain, hasn't really done much for the world. And the main trend is the, the digital and physical world convergence, where we're talking about a fusion of physical and digital 3D printing, all that sort of stuff. And we'll be back again straight after this. I've just got a quick live read from one of our sponsors, and I'll be back straight after that. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just quickly, last little prediction, something that I've been following for a long time before we get into Tech Talk Cafe and what's coming in CES 2024. The usual uh, consumer electronics show, it's not called that anymore, but it makes sense when I call it that, is coming next week, starting on Monday in Las Vegas. I'm not going to be there. It's way too much of a bun fight. And, and solo me cannot beat you know, CNET and all the big publications who take trucks and 40, 50 journalists to cover the show. So I will follow them. But in the meanwhile, quantum computing was the last major sort of trend. And there have been some amazing, amazing step forwards with quantum computing. We're talking about it used to need super cooled processors. It now can do quantum computing at room level, which makes a huge thing with some new IBM chips. And the number of qubits has now jumped considerably in the latest chips. Qubits are the measure of quantum computing. But quantum, quantum computing remains highly theoretical. There's still a lot of problems in accuracy. It also is capable at this point in time of only doing a very narrow range of highly complex tasks. And there are still massive error rates due to 
quantum interference. I'm not getting into all the craziness that goes there. So standard binary computing, the noughts and the ones, still continue to evolve. They're down to two nanometer structures, and the processing powers just keep growing. But quantum, in the next little while, is still sort of bubbling under. And I do believe that the ability to massively compute at a scale that makes current computers look pretty pedestrian, combined with its ability to then start mimicking intelligence on a far more comprehensive way, could bring in the next era of, of computing in the next few years. But it's still bubbling under. I thought 23 would be a big year for it. And it was technically and theoretically, but not practically. So let's watch that space. And I think we're going to see a massive amount of changes, improvements, and things coming in the quantum space. So generally, it was a huge, huge 2023. There's just no question. So much change, so much technology happened. So much of it, unfortunately, wasn't gizmo or gadget-based. It was hard to put your hand or touch or feel or see uh, these developments. But so many of them fundamentally are going to change the way we interact with each other, our businesses, and in many respects are setting the platform for a completely new landscape of technology with regard to platform systems. And some of that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes with a CES. So CES, with all the big guys come, it's now become more than simply a consumer show. The car people are there. There are so many platforms, processors, Microsoft, Intel, who create the processors, Qualcomm, who create the processors, um, are going to be at the show. And we will get a ton of announcements. I'm not going to try to sort of cover any of that because a lot of it is Sort of gonna, only going to hit the, the streets on Sunday when all the press conferences start and then through to Monday when most of them sort of hit the headlines straight away. But what we are already seeing is a ton of new products and um, features that have actually leaked already and are out there on the market. And when I say brands, we're talking about Intel. IBM, they've even got John Deere, if anyone's a farmer, understands who John Deere are. But Samsung and all of these guys will all be there. And there's going to be a huge focus on AI. It's everywhere. It's going to be in every consumer product that you can imagine. It's built into TVs already and has been for quite a few years already. With neural processing units from AMD, NVIDIA, and many other manufacturers. Um, Intel also have just released a brand new bunch of processors. I expect to hear a lot more about them, uh, along with Apple, who've released a whole lot of new processors with neural processors involved. Qualcomm have done the same thing. Normally, TVs are huge and will be pretty interesting. The leaps in 23 were big, and I don't expect to see any massive new technology. So ultra-bright OLEDs came, mini-LED TVs came in 23, and I expect to see a lot of refinement in that space. And already, LG have announced a whole lot of changes and a whole lot of new next-generation um, OLEDs, super-bright ones. The Evo OLEDs of 23 have now got massively upgraded processing. They're talking about 70% improvement in picture quality through processing only, not through any changes to the panels themselves. So the actual OLED panel remains the same, the new super bright Evo panel, but they've improved the processing on the G and the W, 
cube, quite sorry, it was in front of me, but now it's gone, but not the C's. So the, the B's and the C's, which are the general um, sort of run-of-the-mill, run-of-the-mill, they're expensive top-end OLED TVs with spectacular pictures, but they are the more mainstream priced devices with the G's and the W's and the, the thin wireless versions um, being significantly more expensive, but they are the ones that are going to get these new pop-in processors and expect massive improvement in picture. They reckon it's it's markedly improved and easy to see. But still, anyone who's looking for the best deal, just off the off the topic, if you're looking for an OLED TV, now is the time to buy one. All the new ones will hit the market by April next year. And by then, all 2023 TVs will be hugely discounted to get rid of them because the new 2024 TVs will be on the market and everyone wants to get rid of them. So if you're looking for a, an OLED TV, uh, don't wait for the 2024 in my estimation unless you absolutely must have the very, very, very best. But both the, the OLEDs from Samsung and LG, the 2023 versions, were without question some of the best TVs ever made. The picture quality is spectacular. The brightness is now at a level you can watch them in a bright room, no problem whatsoever. The quality of processing, the, the, the accuracy of colors, and just the sheer impressiveness of those TVs is off the charts. 2024 will definitely bring um, some new ones, some interesting fancy technologies, as I said, mostly around processing and other parts of things like that. But there's no question that if you're really in the market for a good TV, now's the one. But Samsung are putting AI into its vacuum, robot vacuum cleaner, and that's not a gimmick. It's quite a big deal. But then again, LG, for the same, um, for the same token, are bringing a, a little bot to the market. Now, this was released by LG um, before the show. And what this little bot does, it looks a little bit like a, a little R2D2 type thing with two little legs. And it connects to your home and it reads the temperature and the oxygen levels in the house and it reads your facial expressions. And it's your little companion in your smart home. And you can tell it, it connects to all your devices. I mean, who does not have a fridge, washing machine, tumble dryer, intercom, TV, you name it, all connected up to your little home device, including your lighting, and controls absolutely everything that you are going to do um, with, your, with your home or your smart home. Now, smart homes, unfortunately, haven't quite taken off in quite the same way that they should have in South Africa, mainly because it's actually quite hard Everything's concrete, everything's brick. It's very difficult to retrofit smart home technologies which rely on Wi-Fi for the most part, but cables all over the show, sensors all over the show. You're not going to really have a, a Wi-Fi extend in the laundry room, but it's it's going to be needed. Your, your washing machine tumble dryer um, will definitely connect to the internet going forward. But this new AI-powered agent is really, it's a two-legged little robot and it connects to absolutely everything. And we're going to see more and more of this type of technology. LG are talking about it. They call it the zero labor home. So in other words, nothing you will physically do. The little bots and your little machines and everything, short of chucking your laundry into the washing machine, 
you won't have to think of anything. It'll probably auto-dispense the cleaning liquids. It'll sense how much is needed. It will tell you exactly how long it needs to be washed for. It'll then dry it at the same time. And uh, theoretically, and I've seen a few of those over the years, but none have hit mainstream, it will even iron and fold your clothes and leave in a nice little pile um, at the end of the machine for you to pick up and stick in your cupboard. They haven't quite got to that part yet. But I think that is part of the whole vision of what it is. And this little smart home robot, it really looks like a Disney Pixar movie. Um, it's it's crazy what it looks like, and they're going to be showing it off next week. And it could even greet you at the door and analyze your voice and facial expressions, and then could pick music that would soothe you or excite you, or who knows what else is going on. So expect to see a lot more from both Samsung, LG, and many others with regard to smart home smart home equipment, smart home platforms, and far greater integration. Apple smart home platform, uh, Samsung has a full-on smart home platform, as does LG. All of them work together in, in most respects. There seems to be a, a lot more commonality along with smart lighting, smart heating, and smart air conditioning, and everything to do with managing energy. And now today with many people having uh, solar in their homes, the whole point of having a really smart home that conserves your energy, manages your power usage, only switches on your washing machine when, you know, there's no one's uh, not in the middle of the night now because, uh, or maybe it is the middle of the night, depends when ESCOM comes on stream. All of that sort of stuff can be managed, handled, and sorted through a smart home-based device or platform. And many people who have actually gone that route, I've spoken to people around the world, certainly some of our cousins in Israel, who've used smart home technology linked to their solar platforms and everything, are saying that they're saving enormous amounts of money and energy because everything works when it should. They've got different rates. Cape Town apparently is introducing this shortly, but it's not hit anywhere else for the moment, but you get off-peak rates and on-peak rates, and they encourage people to use energy when it's late at night or early in the morning when no one else is. And there's, you know, because the one thing about energy, although storage has become a big deal these days, you can't, if you generate it, you've got to use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. So it's not something, it's not something that you can sort of keep for when you need it. It's a little bit, a little bit tricky, but batteries and everything are definitely coming a long way. And for the most part, we are seeing a lot of changes around that sort of stuff, but also a lot of announcements coming with smart cars, with Europe basically outlawing petrol cars from 2030 to 2035, which is not long. I mean, we're talking five, six years from now. Can you imagine no new fuel-based cars will be sold. I do expect, interestingly, that that will not be a total ban because there are some brand new fuels, Porsche, Porsche actually highlighting a brand new completely emission-free fuel. So it's very expensive right now, but it's a completely um, synthetic fuel which has zero emissions, which can be used in normal combustion-type engines with a little bit of tweaking, certainly in some of the high-performance Porsche engines because electric Porsches are great. They might still handle really well, but nothing sings to a petrol head's ears and mind as the sound of a well-tuned flat six or a really well-tuned V8. So expect a lot of work around fuels that are zero emission which then hits the targets. But that will remain a little bit of a speciality going forward. But the amount of 
electric vehicles that are hitting the roads, even in South Africa, are growing exponentially. And the car interiors, with Apple announcing a completely Porsche and McLaren, said they're going to be working with Apple with regard to a fully integrated interface designed by Apple. Because one thing car manufacturers, and it's always bugged me, they really can't, VW is particularly one of them, that they really don't get the nuance of user interaction like a smartphone computer manufacturer, like even Microsoft, as much as people hit on Microsoft for not having the best UI out there, there is definitely a lot of benefit to have a UI designed by UI masters such as Microsoft, such as Google, people like that, rather than clunky car people who tend to make it very proprietary, very closed wall and not ideal in fact, VW are bringing back knobs and buttons and getting rid of all the touch stuff in their latest ID range because people have demanded it. People like the tactile feel of buttons. But expect to see a lot of um, these announcements at CES. Expect to see even LG have got a whole interior car um, platform. Samsung have got an interior car platform which will run everything. So all the screens, all the infotainment, all the navigation, all the data coming off your, your car will be managed and handled by an interface, not the actual work within the car. And that's, I think, where you've got to understand it's important that car people do car things and interface people do interface things. But you'll be able to customize and seamlessly integrate your entire dashboard with basically your home system, with your mobile phone, with everything that you do. So that there's one methodology of working across all your electronic stuff. And voice will become a huge, huge, huge part of that. But screens, one back to television screens for CES, they're getting bigger. 100 inches is going to become much more commonplace. 84 to 90 inches is again going to become a lot more commonplace. No one's talking 8K, which is interesting, but 4K will be certainly good up to about 100 inches as long as you're not too close. But screens are going to get bigger and rollable OLEDs and other form factors are definitely coming. So we're going to see a lot of change in that space. And before we end this segment for today, I have to have a quick um, shout out about what's happening around Samsung because um, they've invited me to their unpacked uh, event in America next on the 17th. And they're already touting a new era of mobile. And Qualcomm, one of the major chip manufacturers and all the S23 devices used Qualcomm chipset, um, have announced a whole new AI platform, which I believe will be built into the, the Galaxy S24 series. And I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting, the, the, the experts in the field or the leaks and where they come from, believe that they're going to announce in-call translation in real time. So if you're talking to someone in German or Chinese or Russian, who knows? A lot of Russian speak going on between South Africa at the moment, so possibly very useful. You'll be able to speak in your native language and hear the other person in your native language, and they'll hear you in their native language as long as you're on a uh, mobile, a Samsung mobile device. And this will happen real time on the device. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, you know, in a translated way. It'll become really, really simple. The other, the other thing that's being predicted on the new phones that will come um, on the 17th is much more built-in 
voice recording, and all sorts of other features that are based on AI. Certainly going to take out the add-on keyboards and also the add-on grammar detections and everything. So on that note, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with my gadgets of the week straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and stay tuned. Next week, Thursday, I will definitely do a full recap of all the announcements for all. I won't be able to get through even a tenth of the announcements that are going to come out of CES. But what I'll try to do is pick the ones that are the most relevant, most useful, and most interesting. They will focus very much on mobile, not mobile per se, I'm talking mobility, which is cars. Um, we'll be talking a lot about TVs, screens, both professional for home, for computer use, for um, whatever, with regard to sizes, all the latest announcement, give you a little insight of what to buy and what not to buy coming in this next year. And also a lot of changes around platforms and products and generally all the big guys, um, Samsung, LG, Sony, all the big brands will be announcing a lot of different project products from cameras through to washing machines through to vacuum cleaners or robot cleaners. Who has a vacuum cleaner these days? You have your robot mop and cleaner can clean your floors, wash them, mop your carpet or vacuum your carpets, then go empty itself, charge itself and get going again. Smart home, I'm telling you, there's just no question that we're all going to have smart homes. Then we will be talking about what's coming with uh, Samsung again, should be very interesting, and but that I'll hold, have to hold off. But my gadgets, my two favorite parts of the show is what's news and gadgets. I've been playing with two in-ear earbuds. Now, they're pretty ubiquitous. There are tons of them on the market. Most people tend to, it's quite interesting. Most people who have a Apple device tend to buy Apple earbuds and they are really very, very good. I can't knock them, I've tried them. I like them. I think they're great. They're expensive, but certainly they seamlessly fit into the whole world of, of Apple and no complaints there. But there's a world of earbuds, ear headphones out there that make up probably the vast majority. And for the most part, you can get really good deals on them. That They're less expensive than it's Apple headphones. And they also although all headphones are pretty much compatible across any device that you have, whether it's Android, whether it's iOS, it's irrelevant, it makes no difference. But I have been playing with two devices right now, and they're both from a company called Jabra. Now, Jabra, about six, seven years ago, they used to do a lot of professional gear. They got into the the sort of headphone space with some really good quality little headphones, and they've been refining it and working solidly since then. So I'm playing with the Jabra Elite Pen, which is their top of the range, um, competitor for some of the best earbuds in the market. And I must tell you that I have been absolutely amazed at both the quality, the ease of use, and the brilliant fit. Now, the fit of headphones is quite specific. Some people love the way that certain headphones fit, and the sort of ones that fit in the outer part of the ear are sometimes more comfortable depending on your ear shape. And then you've got the ones that go quite deep into your ears, which are not quite as um, easy to use for the most part for some people, depending. Now, I find that those work best for me. One, they give 
a natural sort of ear blocking of sounds, whether there is um, whether there is ANC, <laughs> and I mean that is automatic noise cancelling, whether there is noise cancelling or not, but it just fits really well with me. And the Elite 10s and the Active, the Elite 8 Active, fit into that um, category. And it makes a huge, huge, huge difference in terms of how they fit, how they sit, and how the sound is transmitted in your ears. So they... Jabra have done a lot of work on the not only the, the fit, they've scanned thousands and thousands of ears and they've come up with what they believe are, are perfect for that. They, you can change the little silicon ear bits at the end to suit some are bigger, some are smaller. In fact, if you look at their website, 62,000 ears were scanned to get the perfect, unique ear gels, as they call it. So, and I must say that I think for the most part, both the 10 and the 8, have a, a, a remarkable fit. What they've done on the eight, they've created a type of sticky silicon. Now it's not sticky to the touch, it's not sticky to the feel at all, but it somehow does not, and I've been running, jumping, doing exercises, riding bikes, going crazy with them, and I cannot dislodge them. The big difference between the two, the, the Elite 10 does not have quite the same sort of feel or, the, or, 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 or stickiness, but again, sit really well. So if you want the best quality sound with the highest level of, of noise correction, with the most accurate tonal quality, then the 10 certainly hits that spot. The voice quality is really good uh, for phone calls. The mic quality is excellent again with phone calls. And there is, it along with the app that you download on your phone and use, you can fine tune the ANC to make it as strong as you want. You can hear noises on the outside, which is quite important if you're riding around. And the multiple six microphone technology really makes them very good for general use. And my feeling is that the sound quality is more balanced than many of them. It's certainly for my, my particular use and ear, I find them a lot nicer to listen to than the Apple and many other earbuds that I've tried. So sonically, they've really got the, the, the sound and the quality right. The battery life is excellent. And the little case that you use can extend that at least 20 to 30 hours, depending on levels. It's a very difficult one, but certainly you never run out of batteries for both the eight and the 10. The eight on the other hand are actually quite good for sport because they seem to be a little bit more tuned to be a bit bass heavy, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more dynamic, which is great for training, for exercising, for, for whatever. They're not as accurate nor as crisp as the Elite 10s, but they cost a lot less. So, for example, the Elite 10 sells in South Africa around about 4,800 Rand. Check it out online. You can find lots of different prices, which, again, is not bad. It's not uh, inexpensive, but it's really well within the space of a high-end in-ear headphone. It also has one other thing that a lot of them don't have. It's got physically tactile buttons on the outside, not touch, not slide, not tap, which tend to be sometimes a little bit weird and difficult. And there's no stick that sticks out of your ears to give you that sort of um, geeky look. They fit into your ear completely. There's nothing sticking out. And they're pretty unobtrusive. You can get them in a number of different colors. So for 4799, the Elite 10 is really highly recommended and very, very good quality. But if you want the best of both worlds, good sound, great fit, which 
certainly works for me. The Elite 8 Active is a little bit cheaper, quite a bit, 323 somewhere around there. Again, check it out. But the benefit of those is they are fully not waterproof, but they're certainly very water resistant for an active, sweaty workout. They do not fall out of your ears no matter what you do. I've tried ridiculous amounts of jumping up and down and throwing my head around and kicking things and hanging off things and it, they just don't fall out. So really well, well, well engineered, easy to clean, easy to to deal with. So check out the new Jabra Elite 10 and 8 actives. Um, I think you'll be really pleased with the quality, with the pricing, and with the availability pretty much anywhere. And they come with all the various little earbuds. You can certainly stick them into pretty much any ear. The only caveat is some people don't like deep in-ear uh, headphones, but that's something you're going to have to find out for yourself. And on that note, we're going to have another quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with some of the news of the week as we normally open the show straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And last part of the show, I want to discuss something that came out this week. And essentially, it's a product from Microsoft. It's part of the whole Microsoft AI thing. And it's called Copilot. Now, Copilot is now an app you can download on your iOS or Android phone. Exactly the same. And there has been a lot of ChatGPT keyboards and keyboards with ChatGPT built in. But that's not quite the same thing. And it also tended to use only ChatGPT3 or the lower, the slightly lesser LLMs unless you paid a lot of money. These apps are entirely free. They're part of the whole Copilot suite, which is built into Windows 11, which is built into Office 365, which is going to be built into the browser. Um, so if you're really looking, even if you use a Mac, if you download the new browser from, from Windows and you click on the, on the Copilot sign, you'll get all the Bing chat um, and everything that you want. And the the app for, the, for, for your mobile is exactly the same. You can choose between a creative mode where it does a little bit more funky stuff, a balanced mode, which is a combination between accuracy and innovative stuff, and a very precise one, which gives you a very clear conversation. But the point with Copilot is you can do it to do anything that you want to do. You can ask AI anything. But remember, it's not a search engine. So it doesn't do search as well as um, Google or even Bing for that matter. But it does do a lot of interesting stuff. So you want it to find out information or to write information. You can even create images with this app with words. So you can tell it to give you a, a, a puppy sitting on a rose bush, whatever you want, just tell me, draft me a puppy on a rose bush in the summertime. It'll probably have a little hat and some weird stuff. Try it. It is really fun. Um, what it can also do is do a summary. This is really useful. I've used it a lot. So if you're on a, on a browser, you can ask the co-pilot to summarize their website that you're on or that document that you're reading online and give you a, a precise tabulated or whatever you want, a line-by-line -line summary of what's going on in there. So you don't have to go through 300 pages of something. You can say, find me all the names right now, pretty topical, all the names in this piece of this document on the screen, and it will do it. So you can write content in seconds 
directly from there. You can ask it to help you write code, if you're a coder, directly again on your phone. So it is exactly the same backend. And the little benefit is that you can turn on GPT-4. They do warn you that it'll be a little bit slower because there are limitations on the latest level of GPT. But you can turn on GPT-4, which does give you access to the web, whereas before it didn't, and now it does. So now you can then use that and to come up with some really remarkable stuff. So download either one, doesn't matter what phone you got, try it. And I think it's far superior to any chat GPT type keyboard. It, it really works amazingly well, um, both on the computer, you can actually get it for your computer if you use Windows 11, but if you don't, you can get it on the browser for Microsoft, from Microsoft, or you can download it on your your, your Apple or Android phone, no matter what. And again, just to quickly segue into what Samsung are talking about, I think they're going to be building some of this directly into their main part of their business. They've got a group of their phone coming forward, and I think they've got they've always had a close association with Microsoft. So we're going to see a lot more of this built in to work and help and to do stuff in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And the best part about these type of AI platforms is the more you use them and the more you ask them, the smarter they get. So in billions, literally, right now it's hundreds of millions, but certainly billions of people are going to end up using it. You're going to find these things become super smart and super accurate and super, super useful. So on that AI note of being super smart and super useful, I'm going to leave you alone for a week. Come back, same place, same time next week, right here on, on High FM, and you'll hear all about all the new innovations, all the new gadgets, all the new platforms, all the new technology that's coming for 2024 from CES, which is definitely the biggest, best, and most comprehensive tech show in the world today. And we'll know all about what's what in our next show. So until then, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.